Over the past year, we've leveraged Vistaprint services to help us on our mission to inspire entrepreneurs of color. They've helped us print stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats. Yes, they print just about everything. My point is, they print a lot more than just business cards. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. Researching, yeah. finding information, contact information, like this is what I'm really good at. Yeah. So I started reaching out to people all over the country, like artists, designers, <laughs> and a lot of those emails never got even replied to, like nothing. But some people would like be like, I don't know who you are. Like, what? Are, it looks like you were on TV. <laughs> like, you're trying to do an event. Like, what's they happening would, you, here? They would, they would search. They would Google me, right? And they'd be like, I don't understand. You were an interior designer, and now you're doing like a giant market, and you're going to charge people tickets. There was so much confusion because mm. no one had done what I did. Yeah, you. It was basically it was like it was a right? whole. You were new... sampling different things to create something yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was taking really the model that I was modeling unique markets after was trade shows. Mm. So it was like, okay, I'm going to rent a space, cut it up, mm -hmm. and re-rent it. <laughs> That's the model. Yep. No one else had done that before and charged tickets. Yeah. So it was very confusing to people. Most people were like, nah, I'm not into it. Like, I'm not risking whatever I was charging back then, $200. I'm not risking $200 on this. But I convinced 225 people to do it. And that was our first market in 2008, December. I'm Bima, and on today's show, we have Sonia Rizula, the founder of Unique Markets. Now, Sonia was born in L.A., and she lived there until she was 14, and she was surrounded by her Chinese culture, until her family moved into a tiny Canadian town where she instantly felt out of place. Getting into the workforce, her first career was as a journalist. A naturally curious person, she wanted to report on the arts and architecture. She ended up as an intern at Much Music, which led to a tech job as an editor. She was telling stories and getting paid. Doesn't get much better than that, right? How about a job as an on-air talent for HGTV? Well, she got that too. And in the hustle and bustle, with all of her success, she still wasn't satisfied. Sonia moved to LA in hopes of revolutionizing TV. And she ended up becoming an interior design expert on trading spaces on TLC. But she got fired before production ever kicked off. It sent her into a spiral of self-doubt. And in 2008, without a job, Galvanized by the Obama campaign, she dove headfirst into local politics and volunteered to register voters in L.A., all while burning through her savings. The time opened her eyes to so much, including the local L.A. scene. She started discovering all of these local businesses and makers that could use some help. Now, this birthed the idea of her unique markets business, where shoppers would pay to get access to these goods. In our conversation ahead, Sonia shares a story about her Chinese background and her entrepreneurial grandparents. 
my Chinese grandparents lived maybe a mile from us. <laughs> so we were over there for like Sunday night dinner yeah. all the time. <laughs> so I grew up around my Chinese culture. Yeah. But then my family moved to Canada and not like a big city like Toronto, which I think is like one of the best cities in the world. We moved to like this tiny little town, which was all white, like all white. So in high school on, mm -hmm. I didn't have that. You didn't have any of nothing. that familiarity and your grandparents stayed in, in Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, they were in Los Angeles. What age were you when you moved? 14. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah, you were coming into high school, coming into your own, like really amount of time where you're developing your identity. Yep. Totally. I walked into high school the first day of ninth grade, and I didn't know a single person because we had, you know, moved in the summer. Right. And it was like, I looked around the hallways and everyone looked like it was 10 years previous. You know, when you're in L.A., it was like yeah. I was rocking like vintage Levi's with like corsets. Like it was the early 90s, late 80s. Right. And then I moved there and everyone was wearing like button up Ralph Lauren polos and like loafers and these shoes called Birkenstocks. And I was like, what the f are these? Like, what is that? With wool socks. It was a very specific <laughs> yeah. like. It was a look. East Canadian look. But the whole world was so different there. Like mm. all white. It was, you were shell shock for sure. Was, Culture yeah. shock for Culture sure. Culture shock for sure. Yeah. Take me back to your grandparents for a moment. And so. You know, you're spending time with them. They were also entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, so they're the only people in my family that have that entrepreneurship tie. Mm. And they owned a Chinese laundry <laughs> in Hollywood, Beverly Hills-ish, so in a white neighborhood mm -hmm. where they were not allowed to buy property. You know, LA is very like segregated when it comes to when, property. What do you mean not allowed to buy property? Like legally or like? Yeah, legally. Like legally, hmm. I mean, this is why a lot of LA is like racially so segregated because you could not buy property if you were Chinese. Hmm. You could only buy in certain areas of the city, which is the same thing Yeah. for like all races. I right. mean, like everyone I mean, other than white. That's definitely, we definitely experienced that in Portland. Like yeah. they're like literally for like decades. Yeah, you yeah, couldn't. yeah. So they had a business, so you could have a business, you have a business. and serve people, mm -hmm. but you couldn't live there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, they, it was a good business, right? It was very successful. I think they had it for over 40 years. And I spent a lot of time in the laundry. <laughs> did you know like it was theirs or uh, did like- I don't think as a kid, you really register you that. You just like, we're I mean, just spending time theirs, here. Yeah, 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 but you yeah, didn't yeah. know like the gravity of like kind of the way you just described it. Yeah, no, not at all. But it was like, you know, everything was wrapped in paper packages and full, or given to people. Like it was, the visuals of it, I remember like it was yesterday. Really? Yeah, and there's a smell because you know you're steaming. <laughs> and there's a steam when you walk mm -hmm. into a dry cleaner. You know, like you know you're, you're there. there. Yeah. So uh, that smell, whenever like the memories just flood back. So yeah, I had I definitely had that memory. The sounds of like steaming and but yeah, I mean they're the only example for me mm -hmm. of entrepreneurship in my family. Everyone else is academics and artists. And for them, was that their way of like we're doing this to? create a better, right, yeah. situation for the family. Yeah, they didn't view it as like, maybe as aspirationally as we might talk about entrepreneurship. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> also like, you know, let's be honest, like I think entrepreneurship as we talk about it now mm -hmm. is something that's really only developed over the last like decade. Yeah, I would agree. Honestly, because yeah. like when I went to college even, or when I was working in corporate, going out on your own no one talks like about that. That was not an option. <laughs> yeah, that was like, like, people You don't like, have any options? What's wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 
they did it to give my mom and her siblings a better life. And like, that's why they moved from China mm. to LA. Right. Wow. So that's happening. Tell me about your parents, right? The immediate household. Yeah. Your mom in particular was a, is a bit of an activist. Yes. What were her causes that she was like truly driven by? I think both my parents, and they're like both serious hippies. So like in general, there was a movement that was happening in the 60s. And they, like either you were like super conservative and like against everything or mm -hmm. you were much more open to everything that was happening. And so they were on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. My mom went to UCLA yeah. on full scholarship, which all of her siblings did, which just shows, you know, like how my grandparents like, yeah. age, I'm just going to throw, like I have first gen, you know, so I didn't get that. But my mom, <laughs> like you had to have, had an to a. have nothing perfect. else was acceptable. Yeah. So all, all of them went to UCLA. And while she was there, she helped start the Asian American Cultural Studies Center. Mm. I think that was 1969. Okay. But she was also leading a lot of marches wow. and in with a lot of the other like groups that were, mm -hmm. you know, all advocating Champion for like different human social rights. Causes or, and yeah. And then I'm like, do I tell the story? I mean, it's out in the world. <laughs> it is out in the world. So tell it. <laughs> so my mom, my mom and a bunch of other students mm -hmm. kidnapped UCLA's president and held him for days, which is, you know, a serious offense. Yeah. But in the cafeteria, so they had food the whole time. Obviously, it was a peaceful kidnapping. <laughs> and they were trying to get rights for the workers who were mostly Latino. Hmm. So they were trying to for get work for the cafeteria for the workers. Oh, okay. It was very okay. specific. Yeah. But so since that, plus her ties to all of the different groups that she worked with, the FBI followed her for like months and months. Oh, wow. And How I, old was she? She was in school at this time? Was, she was in college. But wow. we just found this out recently. You know, your parents don't really... Yeah, they always like... It's so funny how that <laughs> happens, right? It'll just like randomly come up yeah. and they'll be like super low-key about We're it. Like, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, like you what? Were fugitive. What? The FBI was following you? What? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think being an advocate and being a leader and a community leader is like on all of the sides of my family. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone who's an immigrant or comes from like immigrant roots mm -hmm. is very much an advocate for change and for hope and diversity. So I think that's just it's always been in the family. It's hard to be in that and not have an opinion or have like, you know, this desire for it to be different. Yeah. Did a, any of that rub off on you, you feel like? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. In high school, I was always part of like different groups. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really interested in like things like the environment at first, you know, when you're discovering who you are in high school, you're like, okay. And then, you know, I had friends who were gay, but not out at the mm -hmm. time. So then that became like a passion. Yep. So it's like, you're starting to learn that like, not everything is but, happy and right. great Everyone's, all the time. doesn't Everyone's have the fine. same opportunities. Yeah. So I started to discover that. Mm -hmm. And then it was leading up to the 2008 presidential campaign mm -hmm. that I found myself like not having a job. And I was like, okay, you're single. You don't have kids. This is the only time potentially in your life where you could volunteer. And I was like, I'm just gonna register voters. Hmm. And that became like a huge passion of mine, like an accidental passion. Yeah. Learning about like the local impact, mm -hmm. like local impact of businesses, uh, mm -hmm. local impact of voting locally. Like, yep. I don't care if you vote for president, right. you need to vote for like sheriff. And see, that's the, the teacher, stuff that's like, so important that doesn't get talked about enough. No one talks about mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, 
you need the people running your city to be good people. Yeah. Like the people who are creating the school curriculum, like you want those to be good people. Mm -hmm. So that's super important. So I, I like dove into that <laughs> world of like, like this local is... politics and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like there's so much going on. Wow. Yeah. Did your, uh, what did your mom think about that? Well, at the time she thought I was kind of losing my mind because I wasn't working. Right, so... <laughs> I was volunteering. And this, you were back in... I was, was in, in LA. LA. Yeah, okay. I had moved back to LA. And so early, we talked a little bit about your family moved when you are 14, mm -hmm. right, to Canada. And then for a school, you end up, college, you would end up going to Toronto, yeah. right? Yeah. And you majored in journalism. Yeah. And you would end up going down this career path yeah. a bit, right? Tell us a little bit about that before we, okay. we go back into the <laughs> why you were in LA in 2008. Yeah. But was that the first career? Yeah, that was the first and only career other than entrepreneurship, really. So I majored in journalism, yeah. loved to tell stories, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and like learning about people and things. Like I've just always been very curious, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people who go into journalism school are curious individuals, and they're like, I don't want to find out about stuff and then tell the world about it. I was never into hard news. Like, mm. I did not want to report like, about, not like, not into <laughs> not that. that I was stuff. super into, like, design, architecture, art, theater. Mm. Like, those are the things I wanted to write about. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting headhunted out of fourth year. So, like, I don't actually have a college degree. I never finished. <laughs> because someone came with, like, a working opportunity. Yeah. Is that common in... in no. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I hustled my ass off. Oh, yeah. I'm one of those people, like, all through college, I intern... Like, I constantly had internships. Oh, you were making moves. I was making moves. <laughs> I was like, I want to take over the world. Wow. How can I do it? And also, you look around, you're, you're in these classes with, like, 800 people. Like, these giant auditorium rooms, you know, for, like... And you're looking around, and I was like... Oh shit, this is my competition. Oh yeah. Like we're all gonna graduate at the and same time. Looking for a job. How many jobs are out there? In Not this many. Right. right. So I was always getting internships and I happened to land an internship at Much Music, which yes. back in the day was Canada's MTV. Ah, I didn't realize that perspective on yeah, that. Yeah, MTV did not license it to Canada for some weird reason. Oh. So they had to create their own music their own, channel, right. which is called Much Music, Nardwar. Mm -hmm. Somehow yes. it's become like a TikTok star. Oh, yeah, and I'm Nardwar like, Nardwar is like. Well, like, he's amazing, loved. but I was like, what is happening in the world that now Nardwar is like having a comeback? It's like everyone that's like from 20 years ago is yeah. having their like second comeback now. Oh, which yeah. is, so he was from career. Much Music. And so I got an internship with Much Music, the website. And this mm. is like the game changer. People talk, right, you know, Because like, they were just printing or most of what folks were doing was just all print. Print. Yeah. And then like for Much Music, it was the TV stations. TV. It was TV, radio, print. But muchmusic.com hmm. needed interns. And I was like, I don't know what the internet is, but I guess I'll do this. And I had to learn HTML. I was like, what the you were coding? is HTML? <laughs> Dude, it was so early on. Like, this is aging me, but that's okay. It's okay. It was so early on. Like, yes, there wasn't like, you know, it's like all the websites now are just ready made. There wasn't No, you there had wasn't to like, Wix, right? you had to put the code in. I was like so lost at the beginning. But that's the thing. I was the only person yeah. with any sort of like online experience. And so this company like found, I guess, my byline mm -hmm. on muchmusic.com and called me. And they were like, we need someone to be the editor of this website. And I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. I think the salary was $28,000. <laughs> Back then I was like, I'm rich. 
bitch. Yeah, yeah like, 28, I, I haven't made yeah, this ever. Please, yeah. Like, I'll that, take it. Yeah, I mean, I was doing free internships, so I was like, yeah. And so that was the, yeah. you got headhunted. Yeah, so I just left and started working. Yeah. And I was lucky because it was all tech. I was doing journalism, I was telling stories, I was editing, I was assigning articles to freelancers, like, but I was in a corporate environment, not a traditional newsroom, because I was working in tech. Right. And I think that was super lucky. Like, whew. What a chances, right? Because you weren't, it wasn't something you were pursuing, but it definitely was connected back to what you were passionate about, right yeah. place, right time. Right place, right time. Like I was telling stories mm. and getting paid way more money also, can I just say, than all my friends who are working at like the newspapers or radio, which were all like starting to die yeah. as online was starting to it's grow. So I off. was making like bank, wow. at, you know, like within yeah. just a couple years, yeah. I was making the same as my dad, who's a professor, which oh is insane. God, that's insane. Insane. But I was also working <laughs> mm -hmm. 24-7. Yeah, you're, you're like, on the grind, that online grind, yeah. right? Yeah. And eventually you would end up taking that to TV there. How do you go from there to TV, I guess? And did you have any training to like do that? Or it was just like, you were just like, I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah, oh, please fake it till you make it. That's, that's what entrepreneurs know best. That's like the one, the one thing the that one I can line. look at through all my different like career stops. Like, so because I was running all these websites, like mm -hmm. major Fortune 500 websites, yeah. I was in the room with like C-suite mm. and there was this meeting one day where they were like, we need more diversity on air. Mm -hmm. And I was like, looking around, mm -hmm. it's all white, old white men. And I was like, <clears throat> <laughs> <clears throat> you know, like, yeah. hey, I went to journalism school, I can do this. Can do so they were like, let's give her a try. We'll put her, mm -hmm. so I started on Home and Garden TV, <laughs> yeah. which was one of the stations that I controlled online. Like I concepted and built the website for HGTV. So I knew, I, I knew. Yeah. What to, what to do. I knew all of the talent. I knew the shows. Like, so I just started doing that and that was it. I was on air. I used my sick days to record, to film. Oh, wow. So I was still full time. Yeah. And then I would use my sick days to like create the film schedule, film the episodes. I mean, I'm, I'm a hustler at the and end so of the day. You didn't, I guess like doing that, like I feel like most people would have like agents or like something like that to get these opportunities. And here you are. Never, I've never just in the. I've pocket. never had a headshot, which like part <laughs> I regret. I'm like, damn, I wish I would have had a headshot from like yeah. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, like the different hairstyles and the different looks. <laughs> but like, I've never had an agent. I think so much of like what you make in life is relationship building, mm. which I know you know. Mm. And so at every point, I've always paid attention to all of the people in the room, hmm. but also like, especially the people who are like my peers, wow. because in a couple years from there, they're gonna, peers be up gonna be up here. Yeah. It's interesting you have that perspective. And I first sort of really heard that sort of thinking a couple years ago, Issa Rae had done this interview and she was like, some people focus on trying to just always network up, network mm -hmm. up, trying to get these people's attention. And she was like, you could spend a lot more time with your peers because guess what? They're going to ascend. And now those are the people who know you, will vouch for you, yeah. and ultimately end up giving you an opportunity. Yeah. Right? That's 100. pretty crazy. But <laughs> it, no. it blew my mind. And I, that's been my experience. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure, the you know. The people at the top don't have time. Yeah. Like, they don't have time. They don't know you. They don't they, know. You know, maybe they'll take a chance on you, but, like, not really. Yeah. So, how was that career going and what did you want to 
I have to imagine you had greater aspirations because you're a go-getter. You're yeah. literally, you know, <laughs> making, willing what you want to the world. So I have to imagine you're like, hmm, yeah. what else could I do with this? Yeah, I always, it's funny because especially like the listeners of a show like this, mm -hmm. I feel like so often we're in a place of being in between yeah. where you're, let's say you're working at Nike or you're working your corporate job, yeah. which I did for years. And I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. I was a beast, honestly. Like a corporate nine to five environment, yep. I thrive. I don't yeah. know what it is they about it. I'm like, oh, let me, let me, these people are so lazy. Let me just like. So like, I love that environment, but I never felt fulfilled. Hmm. And I always felt like there would be days, like, I don't want to base on gender, but like, I don't know if like guys ever cry in the office, hmm. <laughs> but like I had a corner office and I'd be in there and I'd be like crying. Because you're just miserable. Miserable. And right. I think because I was in between. I was doing something that I was very good at, but mm -hmm. I didn't love mm -hmm. necessarily. Yeah. And I feel like so many people are in that phase many times throughout their life. It's not just once or twice. Like people need to understand it's, like- It happens. It's ebbs and flows. Yeah. Life is long. You're not going to do the same <laughs> thing for your whole life. At least I hope not, you know? Yeah. And so I think that like at some point you- realize that you're meant for bigger things, but you don't know what that means. means. Like what's a, you know, I was like, I'm meant for bigger. Right. I don't know what that is. So that I was like, big am I? is just sitting in yeah, between you like, and that. Something doesn't feel right. So you're like, okay, am I going to go take over TV? Like, am I going to be a TV exec? Like, mm -hmm. am I going to be a star on mm. TV? And like at the time, yeah. I moved from Toronto to LA thinking. To pursue that. Yes. Okay. You know what? I'm going to. The American media is so blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not diverse. Yeah. It's not, cool. yeah. it's all like so by the book. And Cookie I was like, cut. I'm going to revolutionize TV. Yeah. What a fool I was, um, especially with someone who's never had an agent. <laughs> and this was, this was 2008 that you were, you Yeah, like back. early, so early, that's, that. I'd say like 2006. 2006, okay. I was like just flying to LA with zero relationships, no headshot, no agent. And I was like, I'm going to take over TV. Like, <laughs> So ridiculous. So obviously that didn't happen, but like all the things that lead you to the next thing, like everything's supposed to happen, mm -hmm. even the really shitty stuff. And that's all what like, it. now that I'm older, I realize like, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something bigger, but again, I couldn't define what that meant. Mm. And I wanted to have more impact, but again, I didn't know what that meant. Right. But now I look back and I go, oh yeah, it was all supposed to happen. I was supposed to like not have any money mm. for a while and just be like, eating cup of noodles, which I love, by the way. <laughs> if anyone wants to send me some cup of noodles. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, I did that. Wow. I did that. But it was supposed to happen because it leads you to the next thing and it makes you realize what you want, right. I think. Or I think it, what's meant for you. Yeah. Like, right? Like, it's like everything isn't meant for you. There's reasons why certain doors are closed because it's oh, yeah. trying to, like, push you to a certain place, which is ultimately where you should be. But you had one more big door that closed before you kind of started <laughs> to really, and that you did get an opportunity, right? Did. You did get an opportunity <laughs> for TV and, and what happened? I did. So again, I'm in my 40s. So if you are listening and you are also in your 40s, you'll remember a show called Trading Spaces, <laughs> which was on TLC. And it was like the number one show in America. The host, her name was Paige Davis. And I remember more people I think it's not, it, the term wasn't Googled because I think people used Yahoo. Who knows? More <laughs> people searched for her than Britney Spears. 
Really? I remember that being like a statistic of the show when yeah, I was Britney like... Britney Spears was mad popular. She was popping off then. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it just showed the popularity of the show. So I got cast on The Next Generation. Okay. Which was awesome. And I was like, this was my favorite show. This was like, they were major competitors to all the HGTV shows. So I was like... Damn, I made it. I'm going to be like famous. You're like, here we go. I- I'm going to be in People Magazine. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go. And then, boom, got fired. <laughs> like, Why? No, one, no one wanted the next gen. People don't like change, mm. especially middle of America viewers. Mm. They wanted all the original cast. They didn't want, like, who are these young kids, these yep. urban, you know? Yep. So, and for whatever reason, like, who, right? It wasn't supposed to happen. Wow. Wasn't supposed to happen. How do you take that? I mean, not good. Because it wasn't like the whole cast was let go right away. Just some of us at the beginning. So I was like, I was the first, you know. So so you go through this thing of like, if I was blonde, would they have kept me? Hmm. If I was like more smiley, like smiley all the time, you know, and I was, you self-analyze. Of course. And you're like, my body, my hair, my, the way that I talk, like what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why didn't they like me? Hmm. So I went through that. And then kind of soul-searched. I went to the beach a lot. Hey, I mean, the Cali <laughs> beaches are nice, so. I think this is why my mom thought that I was going, because she was like, what's happening out there, you know? Like, but then I volunteered. Mm, and so That's what led me to volunteer, because I didn't have a job. I was like, I might as well just try this. Mm. I had savings. Like, how much is savings? Like, how much runway are we talking here? Like, not a lot. Yeah. Enough to pay rent. Yeah. But that's why I was eating cup of noodles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> the craziest thing is that, like, I had $50,000 sitting in the bank, hmm. but I never touched it. And that was like, was that like retirement or something? Because that was my retirement or money. Or your retirement money. Okay. Yeah. So I never even thought about it. Like, so I was just, you know, living not even paycheck to paycheck. You know, I was like burning Burn. through my savings to volunteer, but also like that was such an exciting time. Think Mm. about it, right? Like Obama was running. I was like, he's going to be the president. He has to be the president. Mm -hmm. Now is the time. I'm going to register voters. I'm going to get people to vote for him. Like I was just super into that. When we return, Sonia combines all of her learned skills into a marketplace. What's up, Claim of Stories fam? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of Vistaprint, right? I mean, we've been doing a lot of incredible work together to inspire entrepreneurs of color, so we hope you're paying attention. Now, when it comes to printing things, and I mean just about anything for your business, whether it's stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats, Vistaprint's got you. They print just about everything. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to the Claimant Stories podcast. So it's 2008, America's in a recession, and Sonia's now working in local L.A. politics. I mean, I'm grateful that I have the savings because I work my ass off. (laughs) But to take the time to, like, not do the nine to five yeah. to not commute and you realize like there's so much more in the world that's out there right yeah. and then you start walking around the neighborhoods in your city to try to register people on the corner <laughs> you know like 
I was on, I was outside, outside of Trader Joe's. <laughs> like, if you saw me, I was there. People said no, or, you know, just like pushed me off. Like, yeah. that's what I was doing. Hmm. But it felt really good because I was like, I'm getting to know my neighborhoods and I'm getting to know these small business owners and I'm getting to know the city council members. Mm -hmm. And so like our now mayor, Eric Garcetti, was the council district member of like Echo Park, Silver Lake, which is where I live. Got to know him. He was really inspirational. And I was like, okay, this local thing, like buying local entrenching yourself in community like so I don't go to church Mm -hmm. so like sometimes I'm really envious because it's an instant community no matter where you are wherever you are connected sense of belief belonging so I don't have that Mm. so I feel like the experience of volunteering and like going through all the neighborhoods and meeting the business owners you start to get started to feel that community Mm. and I was like hmm this is like an interesting area I'd like to play in yeah and you're starting to form a bit as far as like I think that same year you started to have like some business ideas yeah 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 what was sparking Be, well it's funny because like so you've worked for like major corporations yeah. too like the best yeah. the best of the best <laughs> the best <laughs> <laughs> and when you're at that level that's all you know yes you know like so I know all the players mm-hmm. at the top levels mm-hmm. I know who they are I know what they do I know where they came from like but when you then step away from that world, mm. and you're like, oh, there's so much it's more out there. It's a whole new world. Yeah. So much more out there. <laughs> so like you really do start to meet like really cool people. And you're like, this person is just as inspirational, if not more, than the other people that I used to work mm-hmm. with. And so I, I wanted to start to showcase mm. those people. Yeah. And also, That's I That's that journalism coming in. You, you, you want to tell these stories. I want to tell these right. stories. And also, like, let's be honest, like people do on LA all the time. <laughs> we were just doing it. Um, and so it's like LA at that time. So, you know, again, 2008, mm-hmm. you have to think about what was happening in the world. Paris Hilton was all over the news all the time. Mm-hmm. Velour sweatsuits, yeah, yeah. Von Dutch rhinestone yes. caps. Like it was a, in my opinion, it was a very bad era. You didn't like velour? <laughs> Actually, you know what I do kind of. <laughs> I'm hoping it comes back. But you know, it was like there was something like that's what LA is known for the beaches and for Hollywood. Yeah. And for like celebrity. Yep. But the LA that I knew, because I had stepped away, I was like, Yeah, down you, here with the you people. were like, We have a really dope culture oh, that doesn't get talked about. Doesn't get talked about. Like all these amazing curators, international curators mm. from like Paris, Berlin. New York, they were moving from like major museums like the Met for jobs in LA. That was happening right at around that time. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's all this great art Mm -hmm. and curators coming from around the world because they want to live here. Something is happening. And so I just knew that like we needed to showcase the small folks, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was like, there's great furniture makers. There's great fashion designers. They're not known to the rest of the world yet, but they're doing great things here. So let's showcase them. And so that was kind of the idea in my head. I was stuck in traffic, driving all over the city, spend wasting a whole day trying to find, you know, presents for my best friend. And I was like, this is a waste of time. Like, could I create an environment Hmm. where people would come and shop from small businesses Mm. And it's just like a pop-up mall. Yeah, kind of like, like a, a I flea think market, swap me type of 
kind of combination vibe type of thing. <laughs> kind of, but not at all. But not, yeah. but because you know, curated. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. same vibe that you get at like the Rose Bowl Flea. Um, the same vibe that you'd get at like, well, like here in New York, you know, it's got yeah. artists and fleas. Yes. It used to be in Brooklyn in a warehouse that got demolished. Now it's a condo, but that's, you know, that's how it works. <laughs> but like, yeah, like, could I create that, mm. but then bring my design and corporate experience mm. and create an elevated experience? Mm. So it's not outdoors. You're not baking yep. in the sun. Yep. It, it is going to be a different experience. And like, could I do that? And of course, you know, my answer was yes. You were like, yeah, of I course, think that I sounds can do like it. something I can go after. Yeah. Was the idea always to have it that big? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. From day one. So the markets yes. are about 200 sellers. And at times we did ones that were 400. So, I mean, that's so many vendors. That's larger than almost every trade show, like 400 vendors is a lot. Yeah. And that was my vision though. Cause I, I also knew I was never officially in marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, I worked in the editorial yeah, online but department, but you, of course you had like, that's a one piece of advice that I would give to people. It's that like, if you want to be an entrepreneur or you have an idea and you think you can run with it, run with it. Hmm. But if you work for a corporation, I'm talking like a major nine like go someplace that's much larger mm. than you mm. because you'll see all the departments you'll learn what it takes mm. to really run a run business because i wouldn't please we a journalism student like yeah. i wouldn't have known you wouldn't typically know it's funny you say that because i when i worked at a smaller like my first corporate job was a bigger company than i'd ever known but in the grand scheme of things it was a smaller company but yeah i learned about the end to end of business, which I never have gotten that experience otherwise. But to your point, like I learned everything from marketing to product development, to operations, to how to interact with legal to finance. Exactly. Like, you, know, you have no, like to even meet a lawyer, <laughs> you know, that, that I would have to run contracts over to the, to the lawyers. Yeah. And I'd like walk over to that section of the building and be like, it seems really boring and quiet over <laughs> here. But like, now I know what to look for in contracts right. and like, yeah, super important. So I don't know. I totally sidetracked there. But no, but that's, that's a great honestly, nugget of it's advice. It's a huge piece of advice. And it's like, look, if you don't love what you're doing, there are some things that you should weigh when you're trying to make that decision of leaving. And it's like, can you still learn from the environment that you're in? Hmm. Can you still make connections that will help you later on? Hmm. And also, can you get those benefits in healthcare? Because let me tell you. Let me tell you, on this side, it's a little When you leave, different. you're like, okay, where's that dental? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I have a plan now and I offer it to my employees, but yeah. like for a long time, I didn't. Yeah, a long time. I mean, it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. Right, and you're like, I'm trying to cover the bills today. Yeah. That's yeah. step one. <laughs> yeah. So the vision's been there. That's clear. You, you were going to go about it. What was the what was kind of that first phase of making that real? Right. Like you you now knew like, OK, I want to do this. Uh -huh. How are you going <laughs> to 200, 400 vendors? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was hard at the beginning. But again, my journalism skills came in handy, hmm. like, you know, researching, yeah. finding information, contact information like this is what I'm really good at. Yeah. So I started reaching out to people all over the country, like artists, designers, and a lot of those emails never got even replied to, like nothing. But some people would like be like, 
I don't know who you are. Like, what? Are, it looks like you were on TV. Like, you're trying to do an event. Like, what's they would, happening you, they here? Would, they would search. They would Google me. Right. And they'd be like, I don't understand. You were an interior designer, and now you're doing, like, a giant market, and you're going to charge people tickets. There was so much confusion because mm. no one had done what I did. Yeah, you, it was basically. It was ambitious, like, it was a right? You were sampling different things to create something yeah. new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was taking, really, the model that I was modeling Unique Markets after was trade shows. Mm. So it was like, okay, I'm going to rent a space, cut it up, mm -hmm. and re-rent it. <laughs> That's the model. Yep. No one else had done that before and charged tickets. Yeah. So it was very confusing to people. Most people were like, no, nah, I'm not into it. Like, I'm not risking whatever I was charging back then, $200. I'm not risking $200 on this. But I convinced 225 people to do it. And that was our first market in 2008, December. Tell me, how are you pulling this off? Is this just you? Oh, it's me. Replicating that kind of uh, routine, if you will, or that bandwidth that you built up over years, yeah. right? Because you kind of hard-coded your brain to be able to work these longer hours, yeah. you know, over stretches of days. Mm -hmm. So it's you. It's Emails, me. cold calling, running up on people. It's me. <laughs> I, I eventually started asking, like, family members and friends if yeah. they could help. So I taught my brother-in-law, who was a principal <laughs> for the LAUSD. Like, this is, you know, that's yeah. the world he knows, education. I taught him how to write press releases <laughs> and how to contact the press. He was my PR person. Yeah. So on the side, like, he would send out those press emails. So, yeah, I was teaching friends how to do aspects yeah. of what I needed if I had, like, departments. Yeah, yeah. And then we went out there and did it. I mean, the first I remember, so I'm friends with... Shepard Ferry, some of his crew mm. of people. He did not do this for me since wheat pasting is obviously illegal, but there were some people on his crew who went out with me and we wheat pasted Los Angeles with posters for the first market. Yeah. It was so fun. Uh, right, because there's yeah. like a sense of a thrill to like it, doing oh, it. Yeah, you got to, it's quick. Like there's oh, yeah. a method to it. They have a van that's like so disgusting filled with a glue. And <laughs> you like pop the trunk, you get out, you hit it, you get in and you drive off. Like yeah. it's crazy. But like that's the level that I bring. I was just like, I have to make sure that I've done everything possible mm. to make this a success. Why wasn't failure an option? I've never... <laughs> This sounds, it's a terrible answer for me to say, like, I've never thought about failure. It's not programmed in my DNA mm. to ever really think about it. Mm. I've thought about, like, what would happen if, yeah. and the worst thing is that you go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And fine, you're yeah. fine, you're still alive. Yeah, you're that's great. just the business. You're good, you're right. fine. So I've never really thought about it. To me, I was like, this is a good idea. Yeah. It needs to happen. The people need this, mm -hmm. this whole like world of small business that hadn't popped off, but like was going to, yeah. like needs to be brought to the forefront. And I just like had that passion for it. And I was like, there's no, I think that when you really believe in yourself, failure isn't an option mm. because you, I don't even address it. Like yep. the fact that I took my retirement money out, $50,000, like, you and you have to pay a penalty when you when take you, it out. So wait, I was gonna <laughs> ask you because I was like, okay, you're doing this. I'm like, you get sponsors? It's like, how do you, how do you like pay for this no, stuff? No, <laughs> but that, that's the other crazy thing. Okay, so think about it, 2008, it's yes. a terrible recession. Yeah, so that's the other thing. We're in a terrible. recession. Like 
no, there's no money. <laughs> Please, if I had come from a business background, obviously I wouldn't have. He was like, I never would have done, done this because I would have been fearful. I would have been scared of stuff. But, but in that, when they tell you to do stuff like this, like now, yeah, they're yeah, like, Steve Jobs. Right, a lot of the big companies happened during recessions. Mm. So like, I took that fifty thousand dollars out to pay for the venue, which it, what That's it cost. What it was. 50 Everything G's. else, fifty G's. It's crazy, 2008. And I mean, I never thought about it. I never thought once. I was never scared about the money. Do you never. think if you had thought that it would have impacted your ability to succeed? Yeah, probably. Hmm. Yeah, because I would have been nervous. I would have like, created anxiety mm -hmm. and I don't keep a place for anxiety in my life. Yeah. I just don't. It's not, it doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Like I can have insecurity about something. But I don't want situation. like I don't want stress and anxiety in my life, yeah. and that's like how I've run the markets this whole time, thirteen years. And it's like I've watched everyone try to take me. All the competitors yeah, come up, yeah, and like sure. they're all gone. Hmm. So it's like there's something also very zen hmm. about that of just like keep doing what you're passionate about, keep your eye on the prize, like keep your Stay head down and just focused. do it. Yeah. And you'll do it. Wow. Sounds ridiculous. But, but no, but yeah. You will. But yeah, it's like <laughs> easier said than done. But yeah. obviously, 13 years, you've proved yeah. that that is what you've done. In that first one, in the planning and leading into day of and during, mm -hmm. did things go wrong? Did things go opposite of plan? Did things. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I have photos from that first market, and I'm like, the line went around the block, and that would, that now I would never let happen, right? I'd be like, no, we need more door people. Mm. My mom flew from Georgia for that very first market. We have pictures of her too, and she was, these are the things that go wrong, but like, you know, I would make it down to the front of house, and my mom was individually putting on the brake, you know, like the wristbands? <laughs> She's all like, you know, people have to roll up their sleeves, like doing this. I was like, Mom, just hand them. Let them do it. Let them do it themselves. <laughs> so there's like, these little things that you don't anticipate, which of course now 13 years in, it's It's different, smooth. right? You make the tweaks. We you're know, like, yeah, you know, we know everything. We anticipate everything, and it's great. But back then, whew. It was learning, no right? Trial by error. Yeah. Did you have any folks <laughs> that you knew that maybe had any sort of crossover experience that could None. advise? Nothing. None. Wow. I mean, because also if you think, so like the word experiential is like in the language now. Yes. We all <laughs> throw it around. Yes. 13 years ago, no. Same thing as entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So like no one really did events. Mm. Like I know, you know, Aaron mm -hmm. who helped start ComplexCon yep. and like all of that stuff. Again, all of this stuff we're talking about happened in like the last five or six You're years. Right. So <laughs> like go another six years mm -hmm. from that and there's no one. There's no one doing it. So I was like, just kind of on an island over here, <laughs> trying yeah. to do my thing. Like, I don't know. Did you ever feel lonely in that journey? Oh, oh I still feel lonely. See, yeah. Oh yeah, all the time. How do you deal with that? I mean, it's funny. I think part of why the type of entrepreneurship I decided to do, which is like community building and gathering, gathering. people, <laughs> probably has a lot to do with that. Like, mm. I don't have a f an insular family, yeah. so to speak. So I think like you create your family, of course. your chosen family. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the work that I do is, is creating that community and trying to further culture in that way. Yeah. The other thing, I'll, when I think about our events, even in 2008, is that when you look at photos and video throughout all the years, 
it's so diverse. Mm. Like you look at the tape and you're just like, wow, because you go to other events in LA. And again, this does have a lot to do with like how they redlined the districts back in the day when the laws were created. But it's like a lot of large events that happen in Los Angeles, whether it's like a festival affair, they're still like pretty segregated. Hmm. which is weird. Yeah. Like that's just also it's a city where everyone has to drive. There's so a lot not, of things. Yeah, so factors. if you're there and if yeah. that community's built that way, other yeah. people aren't coming. They're like no, I'm it's in like my it's pocket. their community, right? Yeah. So Unique Markets has always from the beginning attracted like so many different types of people, and that's one thing that like I have to say I'm so proud of and like even looking at like now that events are finally truly back. We're back. Truly back. Yes. I was looking at tape from the very last one, which was just about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And it's phenomenal because like we have like 70 year olds and then we have tic- <laughs> like what I like to call now the TikTok kids. Yeah. That is super cool to see because right. that's something TikTok wasn't big before the pandemic. No. So we didn't have the TikTok kids. Now we have like all these kids like that are walking around with their phones and like talk, showing products and like that to me is super exciting. That's exciting. Because it's like the next generation. Yep. And we have small businesses that take part. So they're fashion designers, mm-hmm. they're jewelry designers. <laughs> and they've told us like, I came to the market seven years ago with my mom when I was in high school. I graduated college, <laughs> started my company. In my mind, it was like, I'll have made it mm-hmm. if I get selected at Unique, unique markets. markets. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. So it's like that impact is also something that drives me like kind of like a legacy you know yeah i mean you like you, same that's, thing that a, that's a great thing to think about like that's also the one of the distinguishing pieces right is that you've cultivated this community that you didn't see right yeah. you didn't see people that look like you people that look like me in these spaces that their businesses were of value that their businesses were worthy and like you're bringing this community together. And now you're also influencing yeah. other generations. Like that's really cool. It's cool. That's what you don't know, like. That's like what you can hope for is that like at the end of the day, you go home, you're exhausted, but you feel like you've made some sort of an impact. Yes. Not everyone feels that way, but that's how I feel. Yeah. And so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I've done that and I'll keep doing it. You're going to keep doing that. Yeah. Tell me. Um, so this happens. You are 14 years in, you are millions in revenue from this model. You've expanded the IP. (laughs) You have navigated a pandemic, right? Which, you know, you had to get creative around. (laughs) Have you revisited the conversation with family and with parents? And like when you were making this decision, they were like, yo, you're crazy. Like, 50 G's from your 401k, Mm -hmm. you don't have a job, you're doing this. What does it mean to you when you think about it that way? Yeah, I mean, everyone did think I was crazy. (laughs) I'm sure whenever you leave a a stable, solid job, older generations are like, what the are you doing? And peers. I mean, you gotta think, right? (laughs) Like I, my aspiration as a child was sneakers. I ended up working at Nike Mm -hmm. and then I left. Right. right. Everyone's like, why are you leaving your dream <laughs> job? Crazy. Why are you doing that? Yeah. yeah. So like you realize that it, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. That was one step. Yeah. And you keep stepping until the day you die. Yeah. Like you're not here your whole life. You're going here, here, here. Right. So <laughs> I look back on that. And yeah, I mean, everyone who said that I was crazy, who was one, 100%. I didn't have one person, I don't think, that was like, 
this sounds really cool, this is a good idea. Yeah. Everyone was very worried for me, mm. but all of them, of course, now are like, damn, I didn't know you had it in you. Like, mm. We didn't, we just we didn't, didn't know. know. We didn't know. Mm. And I think that's kind of cool. That's pretty validating, <laughs> right? Because you knew, and now, yeah. now they see. Yeah. Right? What advice would you have for younger entrepreneurs? You've been dropping great gems throughout, <laughs> but I'm curious if there's anything that just really moves you that you hope to, whether it's through example or whether it's through actually mentoring, like what do you hope to, the message you would want to translate to the next generation coming up? Mm -hmm. I think it's that I always say dream big. I'm like, that's a big phrase in my life. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, you have yeah. phrases that come in and out of your I, life all the time. I love it though. <laughs> so I'm always like, dream big, dream big. Yeah. The thing about that phrase, though, <laughs> is like you have to dream big in order to see like the potential, yeah. but you have to work mm. so hard. And that's what I feel like so many people don't. They just want the seven second TikTok. Mm. They want the like rush of like double tapping and liking and like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so inspirational. That quote so inspirational. I'm like, OK, so dream big, but you have to work really, 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 really hard. You're probably mm. going to like get depressed, you're probably going to feel lonely, you're probably going to question yourself, like, did I make the right decision? Yep. But if you apply your passion and your time and your skills, I believe you, I truly believe you can do anything in the world, but you have to stick with it. You can't like think about it for a second, try it for a summer and give up. You have to like, you have to keep going to get to that dream. It's not like an easy thing to pull in. No, you have to work and it takes years. Like another saying that I love for people to think about is like, it's not an overnight success. Mm. It's overnights, mm. overnights success. Mm. That we shouldn't be like, oh, they're an overnight success. No, they probably took them seven years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I'd say that. you just gotta keep going keep and going. honestly work really hard. No one ever talks about that. <laughs> like I wash dishes. People, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've worn uniforms that 100% are like flammable. Like I've worn hairnets, I've done all the things. You can't expect to just like get a job and be like, just okay, cool, I got it. Yeah. I got it, I'm gonna have my own line now. No, like no. put the time in, work really hard and you can do anything, I believe. That was Sonia Razula, a woman who is making big moves to build small communities. Find out more about Sonia and get access to all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate and review us. Stay up to date with our latest news following us on Instagram at Claim of Stories, or you can reach out with a message at hello at claimastories.com. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fragozo, Pervy Patel, Natalie Yazzie, Jericho Trim, and the team over at DB Podcasts. Original music provided by Adrian Anaya and vocals provided by Rosella. Special thanks to Jordan Dinwiddie, Cena Clark, Clint Blaine, and Damian Mitchell. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to the Claim of Stories podcast, powered by Vista. Vista.